Hello, and welcome to Mom and Daughter Fighting for Thursday, December 29th, the best of Bonanza. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. It's become a tradition around here to present our favorite plus segments as an audio charcuterie board, if you will. For those of you who are already plus subscribers, this will be a chance to revisit our favorite moments from the year. For those of you who have yet to make it over to the ad-free oasis that is Slate Plus, this will be a little sampler platter. All joking aside, we are really, really grateful for all of you who have spent time with us, asking questions, giving us feedback, or simply listening. We truly mean it when we say we love hearing from you, and no question is too big, too small, or too weird. So as a holiday gift to us, please send us your questions. We know you have them. You're sitting there with your family right now wondering, why is this happening? What can I do about it? You can email us or, of course, send us a voicemail, our favorite, to slate.com. Okay, so first up is the segment from our May 26th show, the So Many Questions edition. We had guest Scott Hershevitz join us. He's the author of the book, Nasty, Brutish, and Short, Adventures in Philosophy with My Kids. All right, Slate Plus listeners, let's keep it going. We just want to talk about all of the absurd, hilarious, ponderous things our kids have said to us that have stuck with us over the years. I know that my mother-in-law kept a book of like funny things my kids said. And that's basically kind of the jumping off point for your your new book, Scott, in a way. But I, I wonder when you think about it, like what are those, the memes that, that your kids have created that have just kind of burrowed into your your memory? Well, so there's, there's one that just relates to the conversation we were just having about head scratching dad, which is when our older one Rex was, um, he was still in a crib. So he was probably two-ish, let's say, we had had a little picnic in our backyard and we had had to move because some bees started to like buzz around the blanket. And I think it was his first real encounter with bees and he was interested in the bees and scared of the bees. The entire rest of the day was just nonstop questions about bees, right? All the way through dinner, all the way through bath time, all the way through bedtime, it was bees, bees, bees. And then my wife, Julie, was putting him in his crib and he was still asking questions about bees. And she said, that's enough, Rex. We can talk more about the bees tomorrow. And he said, that's okay. I can talk about the bees after you leave. And then he did. (laughs) For like a half an hour, we stood outside the door listening to him just like deliver a monologue about these bees until he like beat himself out and fell asleep. That I think was one of my favorite moments of Rex. I love those moments because it's like hearing them out. Like as an adult, I've had those moments, you know, where I just have to work it out. And in kids, all of that is like verbal. Like when you are here, Jeff, my husband calls it like, wow, we're hearing him learn, you know, <laughs> like we're we're hearing him try to get to whatever he needs to get to, to like be at peace, to be done with this, <laughs> this topic. And we can't help him get there any faster. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. Does something come to mind for you, Elizabeth? Yeah. So I have this one year for the nativity play at our church in Atlanta. Oliver was asked, he wanted to be part of it. We spent most Christmases in Atlanta. He was asked, do you want to be, you know, an angel or a shepherd? And he had chose to be an angel. And so when he came home, my mom said, you know, like, hey, why did you choose to be an angel? And he said, well, first of all, I have angel hair because he has this white hair. Second of all, I look pretty good in white. And number three, I don't really like sheep. And I just thought, like, for a 
a little glimpse into his decision making. <laughs> you know, like that's it's pretty logical for I mean, I think he was five at the time. It was like this this kid actually like thought about this <laughs> in a decision that I sort of thought he gave no thought to. <laughs> it was it was much more thought out. I heard a great joke this week on a podcast. It was Mike Birbiglia's podcast. His guest was the comedian Alex Edelman. And he said, and he told this great kids joke. So I, I went and picked Noah up from school the other day and we're walking home and we see our neighbors who have kids. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a great time for me to tell this joke. And Noah has not heard the joke before. So first I'll tell you the joke and then I'll tell you what she said, which I thought was very funny. So the joke is, what's a pirate's favorite letter? Any, any guesses? R. You'd think it'd be R, but it's the C he loves. <laughs> that's pretty great. So that's a great joke. Noah hadn't heard it before. The neighbors laugh. Oh, that's so funny. And then I'm like, all right, see you later. And then Noah, my four-year-old, goes, goodbye, mateys. <laughs> like, she just had like a topper, like a perfect kind of pirate goodbye to say to them. I, I was so proud of her. Like, you're a clever little little lass, my Noah. And that's just a joke that I've probably told four times uh, since I heard it like a week ago. So please use it. What else? So we were hiking today. I wrote this one down because we were out hiking this morning and just having a nice time as a family. And I, I think I commented like, gosh, it's so nice because we're so, we're so busy and running around when we're home. And then we're sort of going down the path and it's quiet. And my little one, Teddy, is up at the front and Jeff is all the way in the back. And Teddy stops and turns around and just yells, Jeff, when can I get on your schedule to go to a baseball game? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was so random, but it was also a little bit like it had triggered, you know, like, oh, yeah, I want to schedule something with dad. But just the language sometimes he chooses to use <laughs> at five or five and a half, as he says, that like this is something that would need to be scheduled, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with dad. And that now in the middle of the woods is the time to really do that. <laughs> Did you send him his Calendly link? Well, yeah, Jeff was like, anytime. <laughs> You know, when do you want to go? When, you know, and he's like, well, win our game. You know, Teddy's like, well, win our games. <laughs> We're like, we don't know, man. <laughs> Scott, do you have like a mechanism by which you save the amusing things your kids say so you can use them in your books? So I, um, for a while, that mechanism was just my teaching notes. So the origin of this book is partly that I would be telling stories about my kids when I was teaching, just because it was a great way of getting conversations going. So like, if we're going to talk about the purposes of punishment, I'm just going to tell you something that Rex or Hank did and ask my class how we should respond. And then why would we respond that way? What are we up to? And then you can use that as a way of thinking about, well, okay, what are we doing when we punish adults? And so... Uh, you know, a lot of the like the first recording of some of these stories is was in my teaching notes. I wasn't systematic and I really wish I was because I was constantly say, calling my parents and telling them the story about like the funny thing my kid has said. But uh, the problem we have in our house is unless it was attached, attached to some issue in philosophy, then then we don't have a great record of it. We're just, you know, relying on our memories. Do you have a, a system, Elizabeth? My system is my father. He writes down all the stuff in a Google Doc. So any story that I have told him about the kids, anything that he has uh, encountered with them, he keeps in what he calls the date file. And it uh, has all kinds of weird stuff, which he now emails us to, you know, like, hey, did you know on this date 
20 years ago, this is what you were doing or that this thing happened. But it's really cool because now it includes all the grandkids stuff where he'll say like, oh, you told me the story about, you know, one of the kids saying this. So oh, he's been doing it for your childhood. Oh, yeah, my childhood, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it was in a notebook at some point, And then he he started keeping a spreadsheet. And now that has been put on a Google Doc. So yeah, I mean, he sends us stuff like we are in Grand Teton right now. And while I'm here, he sent me something saying when we took you to Grand Teton, you know, this many year, whatever year that was, you met you, we were on the hike to inspiration point and you met your camp counselor, <laughs> like randomly ran into this woman that had been your camp counselor. It's like, I would never remember that. And he has all the names and everything written down. It's really cool. Is this an app idea? There's definitely an app out there for this, right? Well, there's like, there are books. There's the one line a day books. I did those for a long time with the kids, but then carrying it around, you know, but there's definitely, there's apps where it like texts you a question every day and you answer the question and then it prints that into a book. But if our Slate people know about an app that records or, you know, prompts you to record or where you can record and it categorizes it and reminds you of it later, tell us. wanted to share with you that time Jamila, Zach, and I reminisced over the worst places we've been left behind. Hillary and Chelsea Clinton were recently on The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon, where they discussed the time that Hillary and Bill left Chelsea behind at the Kremlin. (laughs) That got us thinking about moments in our parenting journeys or in our kid journeys where we have left a kid behind or perhaps we've been left behind. I was left once my father was supposed to pick me up. Um, I guess I must have been in like fifth grade. And I think this year he picked me up from after school every day and brought me home to my mom. And he like showed up at the house and she's like, what the hell? You know, and he's like, huh? And she's like, where's Jamila? Um, Because he had forgotten to get me. That is not something that she has ever allowed him to live down. (laughs) (laughs) So he just like came over without even realizing that like the whole point of him coming over was to bring me. Yes. To bring you home. Classic. My in-laws had a similar, they, um, Jeff is the youngest of three and they literally moved without him. Like they were leaving the house and he was in the car seat. And I guess, you know, Oma thought Opa had it. Opa thought Oma had it. And they both showed up at the new house and it was like, where was Jeff? (laughs) So he almost didn't make the move. I, um, we lost Oliver once at the London Transportation Museum, like in the basement. And it's this huge maze. And Oliver was super scared and we were super scared because he is like the least, um, you know, the other kids I think would like make a lot of noise or try to find us. Mm, He like, mm -hmm. we had lost him. It was kind of like all these turns and Jeff and I usually do like a, I have two, I have one, like checking when we leave. And I, we had a little baby, Teddy had just been born. I mean, it was just like total confusion. And we just walked away without him. And we were two or three kind of turns before we realized it. And so trying to find him, but he was so small, he was just like sitting in this corner, <laughs> you know, like, like easy, easy to miss. 
But I was thinking like, wow, with three kids, I've only had this one thing happen. And then literally yesterday, (laughs) I got into the minivan. I was only driving Henry and he had gotten into the van. And then I went to like go bring the trash cans back in. And then I got in the van, pulled out, drove to the end of the street and realized he was not in the car. I guess he had gotten in. He got out and he like hid in our big bucket bike thinking it would be funny. And I just drove off without him. And he said, didn't you not see me? You know, didn't you see that I wasn't sitting there? And I was like, no. Nope. <laughs> nope. I assumed <laughs> sure that you were in the car before you were still in the car. So, you know. <laughs> um, <sighs> well, I am five years old in Orlando, Florida at Disney World with my family. It's my first time at Disney. And I mean, thinking back on the memory now, I'm sure like the thoroughfares with like hundreds of people were really much much narrower and you know only had like dozens of people but obviously it's a very crowded place it's a busy place my family is walking from one attraction to the other i kind of lose track of him for a second and then i see my dad and run up and like grab his hand and i'm we're walking hand in hand and then you know i'm just like whatever daydreaming looking around and then i look up at my dad and realize oh that's not my dad and then the guy looks down at at me and realizes oh my god that's not my son no oh no and i start to freak out and i I look to the side look in front of me and then i turn around and i see my mom my dad and my sister just watching and laughing (laughs) they saw they saw the whole thing it probably lasted three seconds in my mind you know it was five minutes but they they saw it all happen and you know realized that i wasn't in any any imminent danger which it seems pretty um sadistic now as i tell you this they're not evil people but um that's the closest i ever got to uh to losing my family Uh, i think i'd watch my kids do that too Uh, that's really funny sounds pretty entertaining (laughs) have you all ever or your kids run off um like in a store at carson's i remember i think i was like hiding in a clothing rack i just thought it would be funny i was gonna say in the rack yeah, hiding in i the used rack. to like to go uh, in the middle of the rack so yeah. fun you know and then my mom's like completely <laughs> freaked out looking for me and i think adventure got to the point where like they had to page me on the intercom that's when i knew i had gone too far like i might be in trouble yeah my daughter just did that at whole foods the other day it's, it's terrifying it's the worst i don't yeah. like it there's a yeah. good episode of Blackish uh, in the in the first season. It's about it's about spanking, you know, and they make the decision they never spanked mm. their children. And the youngest son at the time, Jack, um, is a runner, and it's his thing is to you know go run off and hide. And he does it to both of his parents at the store various occasions, and they freak out. And his father promises him a whooping, and so there's this all you know this debate amongst the parents and the old school grandparents, and the kids are all freaked out. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, they decide mm-hmm. not to do it. But um, I think it really captured the fear of your child disappearing yep. on you and just how frustrating it is, because it's like, what do you do? Correcting that behavior with a really small child is very daunting because some of them do not let it go. Okay, this next one is either something out of a scary sci-fi movie or a shining beacon of the future, depending on how you see it. Back to me, Zach and Dan Coyce. 
I recently ran across an advertisement for the Vancouver company Gluckskind's robotic stroller. This stroller is a fully automated and apparently, quote, adapts to your cruising speed, giving you peace of mind even on the steepest hills. It will also rock your baby to, quote, stretch a stroller nap just a little bit longer. I um, am desperate to find out if you guys think this is like lifesaver or creepy. First of all, how much do you think this this is? Okay, how much is it? Wait, no, let's guess. Let's guess. guess. Let's guess. No, I'm so bad at this. You guessed it. Um, Price is right rules? Sure. Yes. I'm going to say $1,399. Okay. Do I think it's more? You're just going to guess a dollar, aren't you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, because I think it might be more. (laughs) I think it might. I think it might be more. I'm going to go with 15. $3,500. For something that you're going to use for two years, unless you have multiple kids, then I guess you could use it for longer. $3,500, y'all. You can buy two e bikes for that. Mm-hmm. Or like two shitty cars. Yeah. My back feet was way less than that, and it will also rock your child. Yeah. <laughs> your what? My ba- I have a, um, a Dutch bike. Oh, like a it, Dutch cargo bike. Like a Dutch cargo bike that you put the right. clip the baby into, but it mm-hmm. it even when sitting still maintains a little bit of uh, <laughs> a vibration. Wobble. Yeah. I think though that given to me the creepy part is that given the like problems we've had with self driving cars, the idea mm-hmm. of putting your baby in one of these and thinking that they're safer. What is the problem it's solving? I guess it's the problem of you put your stroller on a hill and forget about it, and then you have to run after like a lady in a cartoon. Right. Yeah, which is what they had in the video. Which which has never happened to me accidentally. It has happened when Jeff was playing. Well, yes, you know, (laughs) Jeff, it was another great Jeff story. He would, like, push it and see if he could run to catch it. Oh, sure, yeah. And he once overestimated. (laughs) He did eventually (laughs) catch it. (laughs) Or drawing quite quite a crowd. Um, <laughs> so you know, uh, right. then this device for thirty five hundred dollars, you erase that fun. Come yeah, on, exactly. my kids are totally fine. I also feel like pushing the stroller to me was one of the things I like most enjoyed about motherhood. Right. Like mm-hmm. putting them in a stroller and like walking, and I, you know, the the. The time when it does seem like it would actually be quite helpful, not that I would ever invest in this, is, you know, when your kid gets out of the stroller and wants to be carried, and then you have to hold the kid in one hand and push the stroller in the right. other. So, so in that in that scenario, the smart power assist. Yeah, um, <laughs> like beep, beep. Just like that, that would be helpful. Right, you put yeah, your grocery, it basically becomes an automated grocery cart. I feel like this is just a line too far. But I get, I think the idea is like that, this parenting thing is like so overwhelming that we need robots to do it. But I guess like, can I just get a Rosie instead of a, and she can push my normal stroller, like the, the Jetsons robot versus. Oh, not our producer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rosie. We, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Rosie. Rosie, the, we the got Jetsons. some new, <laughs> some new stuff for your job. You know, this is part of the job, Rosie, right? <laughs> I think you're making Walking a good point, Elizabeth here, which though, is that the idea of all these different robotic devices is that they are solving a, problem or making something that you hate doing go away but -hmm. in this case it's a thing most people like doing yeah i mean the and the you can watch the promotional video on the website and it looks like it's shot in san francisco on like a hill with an incline of a thousand meters so like 
Yeah, in that context, sure, it would be nice to have some assistance. But like most of us don't live in San Francisco, um, and most of us aren't just like scaling mountains. <laughs> <laughs> what if you're like messing your kids messing around with your phone? It like launches the stroller. It's like in your garage. Yeah, I was actually gonna. Is this <laughs> is this thing also? This thing is connected, right? It's smart in some way. You are controlling yeah, it through I your phone. It's, a- it's on Bluetooth. I think so. Because no offense to this fine company, and please don't sue me, but it's almost surely totally hackable. Sending your baby on the joyride of a lifetime, which maybe you want, but maybe you don't. But like, yeah, Jeff, wait, Jeff's back in now. He's like, I'll chase after this. Sounds great. The, the, like, the, the extent to which all of these smart home devices are almost without exception comical security risks. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course, most of the time, no one's actually trying to hack our refrigerator. But like, do you actually want that? Do you want your stroller, the thing that holds your baby, to be connected to the world? I want it as separate from the world as possible, if I even thought about it at all. Yeah. Agree. We're giving them a lot of good quotes for their website. Mm-hmm. Great point. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should go to the next uh, baby expo and <laughs> just be invited to walk hmm. around and tell people our real opinions. Want to hear our thoughts? Yeah, exactly. Might give you some things to think about. Next, we're bringing you one from our episode, Perfect Sleep Environment. No, this one isn't about sleep. It's about the fuck you fours. The world's eyes have been on Prince Louis as he was a typical four-year-old at the Queen's Jubilee. I, for one, am glad to know that not even the future king and queen of England can escape dealing with the fuck you fours. And honestly, pretty much everything I've seen reminds me of Teddy. (laughs) I think it's just uh, screams third child (laughs) chaos. And it's nice to know it's not just me, you know, trying to get grabbed in the face and gently telling Mm -hmm. them to stop. But what do you guys think about all the attention that he's getting? I think we got to stop calling him Prince Louis. I think that's (laughs) going to his head. Why don't we just call this little fucker Lou? He's just a little kid. Like, of course he's going to be acting out and being cute and annoying. That's that's what they, these kids do, even princes, because princes are just people. Princes are just people. Um, the world loves cute kids, and he's a cute kid, so it's not surprising that he's getting a lot of attention. Um, I do think it's a relief when you see other kids, especially when you have children that age, when you see other people's children misbehaving in public, especially wealthy and powerful kids, because there's... Somewhere in there, we believe that these people have figured out some things or just have access to some stuff that we don't, you know, like somehow they should be able to keep their children in control, right? No, they're kids. Kids are awful and they're going to do awful things no matter where you take them, especially at four. Right. Like they're not going to have all their like helpers during the Jubilee, like sitting in the first (laughs) row with them. Like it's going to, there's nowhere for them to hide there. I just want all the grace to be given to the rest of us. Like, you know, if, if you see an, a child treating, the, it, I don't know, it feels like the, you know, the coverage for the most part is like, oh, look, there he is being, being a little rebel again, you know, oh, how cute. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which it is. I mean, he's being a child. That That is how four-year-olds behave. But it seems like if my child acts like that in the grocery store and is like grabbing at my face or we're somewhere, right? Other parents or other adults are like, oh my gosh, your child is out of control. It's like, this is just, this is just what children are like. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, you know, extend that grace to us too. I don't know. Finally, we're going to leave you with one from one of the spiciest episodes of the year, the Vanilla Sex Edition. Dan Coyce is joining us one more time for this one.
We'll assume that everyone has seen or has at least heard of the movie Freaky Friday. The most famous version, perhaps, is the one with Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan playing a mother and daughter who swapped lives. That made us wonder, if you had the opportunity, would you swap places with your kid if you had the chance? Now, you all have multiple children, so I want to know, which kid would you be most (laughs) interested in swapping with? Oh, man. I want want to swap with both of them so bad. Uh, I want to swap with Lyra because then I could be doing high school theater again. She's in Annie, so I could go to Annie rehearsals. And that would be so fun. And uh, I could, like, actually see how it is that Lyra spends her time uh, at school when she insists to us that she never talks to anyone or does anything. But, in fact, she has text chains going with a zillion people. I just think that would be delightful. But I also want to swap places with Harper, who is like constantly like going out to Starbucks with random friends and is playing softball now at Yorktown and um, also has much easier classes than Lyra does. So I'd be, I'm less likely to be tripped up by the math. One way to think about this question, of course, is which kid would do a better job of being you for a day. Not the one I'd swap with. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth, let's hear what you have to say. Well, no, I'd swap with the five-year-old. I'd swap with Teddy. Listen, his life is, like, amazing. You know why four and five-year-olds are assholes? Because (laughs) you can be. Yeah, I mean, he gets driven around He because he's the littlest. Like, I always order him something when I drive through <laughs> to get coffee. It's like I never did that for the others. And if all three are in the car, forget it. He just has the best life. He goes to this amazing preschool. They're like, you know, every day there's something cool in there. If you took Teddy's place, though, do you think you would instantly come around to his opinion that he has a terrible and he never gets anything and everyone is no. mean to him and picks on him because he's little? No. Because no, I you would main you would understand. Would you would like, have you have the oh. best like you like scream and people bring you stuff, which is of course why you scream, but you know, like <laughs> I just think I think a- you would learn a valuable lesson about how hard Teddy really has it. I think though if I swapped I was thinking that if I swapped with Oliver he would actually be an okay parent. I think he would feel responsible to like get get people places and do things. And no one would ever notice because he's just like my quiet one. I could just like go sit up in my room and read. In fact, that's how he gets out of homeschool work now. He just like sneaks off and then I find him with a book and now I'm posed with like, well, do I interrupt him from reading or... Right, right. Um, so I just the feel like that would be, <laughs> be great. Henry would definitely be the best parent, but he has the toughest light. Like he <laughs> he's busy. Yeah. I could never do diving the way he does. He's doing this thing now where he throws himself back towards the board and I, the coach would ask me and I'd just be like, that's idiotic. Like, oh, like an inverse be- dive? Yeah, so he, he the one that Greg Luganis did that he whacked his head? rotating towards oh the board. And I have oh, to yeah, sit no, in a certain you. spot or it looks like his head is too close and then I uh-huh. audibly gasp and that's apparently very bad. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in summation, I choose to be a five-year-old who eats whatever they want you know, insists that things are cut in different things and run, runs away, runs the house. People drive me around, buy me things in drive throughs cook for me, clean for me. I think that, you know. <laughs> Jamila, if you switch with Naima, what would you love about it? And do you think Naima's friends would be able to tell? Or would Ooh. you be able to live her life flawlessly without anyone ever knowing it was you? 
Well, there's one big thing that could trip me up. If I switch with Naima, I need her dancing skills. Mm. <laughs> because Naima is an amazing dancer. I mean, even the little... They don't just come in her body, hopefully? I, hopefully it just comes with her body. Like, yeah. she has a confidence and freedom in her body that I've never had. She can do cartwheels and tumble, and she's so physical, and she runs, she jumps. And, like, I was not that kid at all. So I would love to switch with her so I could see what that's like. But I think if there was a dance contest on the schoolyard, which she makes it sound like that's the thing that regularly happens, um, <laughs> I could get outed very quickly. Very quickly. Uh-huh. How how do you think she'd do in your life? Uh, I think Naima thinks she is me um, <laughs> and is running my life. So probably surprisingly well, maybe a little more organized. Um, I bet she would make a lot of executive changes yeah. <laughs> like in the Big day change. she had. She'd be like, okay, I got one day. It is time to make a lot of purchases. Yep. Upgrade the apartment, yep. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I was worried. Thinking about this, I worry about Jamila's phone and any, like, <laughs> I feel like she would also just data mine the hell out of the situation. Oh, my gosh. Like, mm-hmm. what can I collect on my mom in this? All the information. If I switched places with Lyra at the end of the Friday, I would have been fired from Slate because she would have written a take so incendiary uh, that it would get me kicked. It would basically be like, you know, overthrow the government and, you know, put the Republicans in pogroms. And they would be like, I'm sorry, Dan. That's like, I think we can't. We just that's not something we can publish on Slate.com. And I'd be I'd be out the door on my ass. Uh, But it would be well written. It would be extremely, yeah, no, no, no one would be like, this doesn't sound yeah. like it was written, like it doesn't sound unaccomplished. Yeah. It just seems a little extreme for you. Yeah, no, it would be written fine. Oh. I think she would be totally fine on that front. If I switched with Harper, I would definitely be revealed instantly because I would be unable to stop myself from just fucking dominating softball practice. <laughs> like the idea of getting, of like, being able to play against a bunch of high school freshmen yeah. and just crush it is too alluring to me and I would be unable to resist. And what about the makeup situation? Oh my god. She would I would also be revealed when they when I just didn't show up to school wearing any makeup and they'd be like, Harper, what's wrong? Do you think wrong? she'd you give you a, a makeover? Oh, that's true. That's a good question. Or like she'd what what would style. what would I look like? Yeah. I mean, she'd probably do my nails. She, I think that she generally feels that my clothing is okay, at least in the sense that she borrows it a lot and okay. wears it. I bet her, her focus would be more on like buying nicer stuff for the house or a cooler car or signing something with a contractor to give us a second floor yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I know my makeup would be very dramatic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd be wearing all of it, all of the things that she's not usually allowed to touch when she plays with my makeup. I would have a full face. Would you ever? Her permissiveness would uh, still involve her ruling with an iron fist. But doing the things she wants. Right, but now, you, but yes. now she feels you have to say yes. And of course we, yes. the parent's child, would be like, no. And that's it for our show. If you want to become a Slate Plus member and get additional segments like this every Thursday, you can do so by going to slate.com slash plus. Again, that's slate.com slash plus. This year of Mom and Dad Are Fighting was produced by Rosemary Belson, Christy Tywell-McAnjula, and Jasmine Ellis. 
For Jamila Lemieux, Zach Rosen, and all of the wonderful guests we had this year, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening.